Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. This is actually our first CEU episode of season four. And what are we talking about? We are going to be talking about vestibular rehab in concussions. Yes. Yeah, so we, this is, like Randy said, a CEU episode. So if you're interested in taking advantage of those CEUs, make sure you first thank Mass General Brigham, um, formerly known as Precision AT. Yes. Big thanks um, to them. Who is our partner for CEUs. You can find all their information down in the show notes below, as well as a link to take your CEU assessment. And depending on when this this uh, airs or when you're when you are listening to this episode, it might be free, it might be a dollar, it might be regularly priced. So make sure you check check down below um, to see where we're at. Yes. So in this episode, we're gonna start with as most education episodes tend to, we're gonna review the anatomy of the vestibular system, and then we're gonna examine the literature on. Uh, the evaluation of the vestibulo-ocular system after a concussion, and then we'll examine the literature that's actually talking about the efficacy of using vestibular rehab after a concussion. So back to our anatomy, but this is don't like- make it you <laughs> make it sound so forced. No, it's good. It's just it's- <laughs> not things that you can see. That is fair. You it, it's really hard to see the vestibular system because. It does live in the inner ear. So when you think of the vestibular system, you really kind of are going to look at two structures, and that's the semicircular canals and then the uh, cochlea. In particular, we're going to focus on the semicircular canals, right? These are those like three half circles that kind of live in our inner ear, and they contain the hair cells that actually detect the velocity of our head motions, right? So when you move, the hair cells move a certain way, and then that sends a signal to the brain, hey, the head is moving this way. Also why some people are more sensitive to vestibular mo- uh, movements and some people are not. Yes, and some people enjoy vestibular movements more than other people. Mm-hmm. Who could that be? Hmm. <laughs> some people are vestibular. <laughs> I mean, it takes a special person to want to be upside down. That's very that's very true. I definitely do not want to be upside down. So I am not vestibular. <laughs> so moving on from that semicircular canal and kind of going into where those canals kind of attach to the cochlea, there are two very important structures, and that's the utricle and the saccule. And again, this is kind of where that connection between the canals and the cochlea happen. Um, the reason they're kind of noteworthy in this episode is because it does contain the otoliths. Um, and in particular, that's the limestone crystals, also known as um, otoconia, that lie within a membrane that is also attached to uh, hair cells. And the reason for these crystals is because it detects linear motion of, um, of the head. So not necessarily the rotation part, more kind of like how your body linearly is moving. So it detects that kind of motion within the head. So now your body's getting a full picture of rotations and linear movement as well. So those crystals are attached to the hair cells? They're attached into a membrane, and that membrane's attached to the hair cells. So it's almost like rocks and jello, and the jello is attached to the hair. So the hair tells you how fast you're going, but the 
crystals tell you where you are in space? Kind of. So, yes, the the hair cells are detecting the velocity, so how fast your head is moving. And then basically those those otoliths, the crystals, are detecting basically a change in that velocity, right? Mm. So when your head starts to move fast or like if the change in velocity happens within some kind of linear motion, the otoliths are going to pick it up. And as we talk more about like evaluating vestibular issues after concussion, you'll see why like say like in certain types of vertigo, right? It's only a few seconds because acceleration, you know, your head's not accelerating the entire time. At a certain point, it's going to just hit a velocity because acceleration is a change in velocity. So that's why like some symptoms of vertigo only last like a couple seconds or a minute or so because those otoliths are now kind of settled. All right, so because they're only basically detecting a change in velocity, whereas the semicircular canals, canals are picking up mostly the head movement. Hmm, okay. So essentially, all these structures contribute to our body understanding where our head is in space and how it's moving. And it can also help stabilize our vision during these dynamic activities because as with sport, right, we're going to be doing a lot of moving and probably focusing on something. And if we couldn't really uh, stabilize our vision, we'd be all over the place and sports wouldn't be as, as entertaining to watch. <laughs> so the reason how we're able to kind of stabilize our head to our body and stabilize our vision are basically based on three reflexes. Uh, the first reflex is the vestibulo-ocular reflex. So this maintains a stable vision during head movements. So, right, you can think about like, um, we'll go off of the theme of today, like football, right? A, a receiver's running, has to turn their head, look at the ball, keep running, focusing on the ball, right? That's kind of the idea there. Uh, the next reflex is the vestibulospinal reflex. This is essentially maintaining stability of the body in relation to the head. And then the vestibulocolic, which is stabilization of the head, basically using the neck musculature. So all three of those reflexes help kind of stabilize our head and help understand where our head is in relation to the entire body. So essentially you have one for your vision, one for your body, and one for your head. Correct. So during a concussive event, event, all these structures can be affected, leading to some of those common symptoms that we see with a concussion, right? You can see dizziness, you can see headache, neck pain. Well, it makes sense because if you're talking about all the stability of these reflexes, then a concussion would alter the stability of those factors yeah absolutely and also to remember like the pathophysiology of a concussion is occurring in the brain all these reflexes all these nerves all this stuff is going to the brain so if we're having issues in that processing center right you could see where it's going to manifest for sure but not all concussions have a vestibular component that's true so after someone sustains maybe a concussive impact or a concussive mechanism Right, there are some symptoms that will highlight a vestibular involvement and then also an ocular motor involvement as well. So some things to look out for with vestibular involvement is dizziness, uh, having blurred or unstable vision. So like they're just not able to focus on something. Um, discomfort within busy environments. So say you're at the mall, right? There's a lot of people moving. There's a lot going on and you just start to see a big increase in whatever symptoms that you have, right? That could be a sign of a vestibular issue. Um, symptoms of an ocular motor 
issue, again, are going to go into that blurred vision, right? You're not able to stabilize your eyes very well. Uh, convergence insufficiency, things coming closer to you are going to get blurry a lot sooner or make you feel dizzy and stuff like that. Um, you can see difficulty reading because reading involves eye movements, right? You're tr basically moving your eyes along the page. Um, headaches, uh, difficulty tracking objects, right? You can't focus on those objects very well. Uh, eye strain, um, dizziness, nausea. So really, if you see dizziness, you know for sure there's something going on vestibular-wise, vestibular ocular motor. So that's for sure a big one. But essentially, any of those things that involve your eyes, you're probably looking at vestibular ocular motor. That makes sense. Yes. Those things kind of go together. Yes, as we have noted, there is a reflex that they go hand in hand on how we function in a dynamic environment. AKA sports. AKA sports. So why do we even consider the vestibular system outside of all the important things we just said the anatomy and physiology <laughs> is? The reason that it's such, why it's become very popular, and you can see it becoming more popular with like, like just take a look at the programming for uh, the NATA symposium the past couple years. A lot of labs, a lot of presentations on using this, you know, vestibular rehab with our concussion patients, and it's because these vestibular systems have been shown to lead to a a longer recovery after concussion. So if they're complaining of dizziness or all like difficulty reading, eye strain, all that stuff, you can expect that hey, this is probably going to take longer than someone who doesn't have those symptoms. Um. Traditional concussion care, remember that old way of thinking was, hey, total rest, right? You didn't do anything, just put them in a dark room, you know, get some rest and we'll be okay. So that traditional care really overlooked the vestibular system because it basically waited until three to four weeks. If like, hey, if you're if these symptoms aren't getting better by that time, hey, we now let's kind of dive in and maybe address this. I feel like also vestibular rehab is not something that we are like is one of our easy go-tos. Yes. So I feel like it could also be overlooked, even if you know about it, because who's going to be like, oh, I know how to do vestibular rehab. Let's yes. give you some vestibular exercises. It's not something that we focus on in school or yes. in continuing education as much. I know it's getting bigger, but... Yeah, and absolutely. And that's why there are more courses now and more topics on it so that we can become comfortable with it and familiar and be able to identify... Um, but again, it goes back to that, just that initial thought of how we treated concussions, right? If, Hey, we just need to rest. Why am I going to think, Oh, we need to do this, this, and this too until, Oh, well it should have been cleared up by now. Now we need to refer, which is what we do. If there's something that's not improving, we refer. Mm -hmm. So I, I, again, definitely can see why early early concussion care that's that wasn't a big topic but you know now that we're evolving and learning more about it you know there's definitely some more stuff to do just like how now we do light exercise with concussions i mean that's that's been a big step too yeah all the subconcussive research yes and how you can start activity as long as it's not bothering their symptoms yes that's a huge even a huge advancement of just not having to tell someone, no, you can't do anything. You have to sit in a dark room. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that goes ties right into what we're talking about with vestibular rehab. So when we're evaluating just if we're even looking at something that might have vestibular issues, there are some really high tech options that are really cool and definitely 
not something that we're really taught as ATs. You know, this is definitely something that's more like geared towards your specialist. Hey, if I'm referring someone, they probably have all the fancy toys that like, look at how eyes are moving and all this stuff and really cool. But they're also more like field friendly uh, vestibular test. And in particular, we're going to talk about the VOMS and then the King Devic as well. Um, so for the VOMS, this is the vestibular ocular movement screen. Um, it's basically broken down into eight movements, and that includes smooth pursuits. So there's a horizontal component and a vertical component. This is basically just, hey, they track your finger. Um, saccades, again, horizontal and vertical. So basically you have two fingers up, and they're bouncing from one finger to the other uh, while keeping their head still. So it's just an eye movement. Then there's the actual vestibular ocular reflex. Again, there's a, a horizontal and a vertical component, and that's eyes are focusing on like your finger and then their head's moving either side to side or up and down. And then there's the convergence. So how close an object gets to them before it gets blurry and then visual motion sensitivity. So they're focusing on like say their thumb and then they rotate around. So they're focusing on the thumb while the the environment around them is moving. And this is also why concussion is so importantly of multimodal ways of testing because like we said before concussion doesn't always have these specific vestibular components so even though voms is a really great way to determine if someone does have vestibular um things there are not not every concussion will light up on voms yes absolutely so that's why it is important to have like you said that multimodal um the literature behind VOMS is pretty good. Um, there's a lot of good support that it's able to identify uh, those adults and pediatric athletes uh, that may be having a concussion. It could do pretty good at uh, identifying it. Uh, how you score it essentially is you're looking for a change in symptoms. Um, in a perfect world, you could actually baseline VOMS and then you basically are looking to change from their baseline. Um, but that's a lot to do. I know mm-hmm. it's it's already tough to get you know some teams in to just get their like neurocognitive testing done through like, right, the different right. like sway and impact and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, essentially you're just looking for that change in symptom and how they scored it is really any change of a score of like one on a symptom because you're t- supposed to ask them on a scale of one to ten how does that make your dizziness feel, your headache or hmm. just feeling foggy, right? Those are the three symptoms that they'll kind of go over as you go through the VOMS. And basically, if it changes at all, they're probably at a higher chance that, yeah, you probably have a concussion. I mean, any positive VOMS that I've had, you can also visually see. Yes, Like yes. You can see that they are unable to complete the task. Yes, and that's, and that's the nice thing with the VOMS is it's not such a subjective thing that you're trying to get off the patient, like how they feel. It could be also somewhat objective that you're looking and, man, if their eyes are all over the place while they're doing these tasks, like, hey, man, this doesn't look good. This is also something that I like to add to my concussion um, testing kit i guess you could say because um even if it's something not vestibular it gives the kid a feeling like i'm actually testing them and yeah yeah, i mean i am actually testing them but you know just asking questions they can say no 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 whereas like if you actually do a test with them that they can't fake it makes them feel like just one more thing that oh 
like this is actually something yeah. that you know it gives them another opportunity to actually maybe change their subjective answer oh i was gonna say too yeah along those lines is it really gives a real situation that like yeah like in the heat of the moment it's probably easy to be like oh no i feel fine i feel fine Whereas you do this and you're like, dude, I can't even. Oh, actually, I can't <laughs> see my thumb. Every time I look at your fingers, man, I'm, I can't even stay upright. Now, how am I going to catch a ball? How am I going to run? Right. So it does kind of make that a little more real mm-hmm. to the patient that like, oh, man, I something's wrong. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really any change in of just basically a one point within that system score basically could indicate a concussion. And in particular, they found the vertical saccades and the horizontal um, vestibular ocular reflex components to be very sensitive, too. I have a really hard time to remember the names. (laughs) I do it so much that, like, I don't know, it's become second nature. Yeah, I just mix them up. I have to look them up every time I do it. Yeah, I I mean, that's how it started for me when I'd write in my notes. I'm like, wait, which one? And I'd run it through my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that one. So I, I like, get that. Uh, VOMS, if you look up uh, VOMS on the internet, there's like a PDF that has like pictures mm-hmm. of people sitting and doing the test. So yeah, for really sure. Really helpful. Uh, the next one is the uh, King Devic. Uh, this was, I feel like this was popular like when it first came out like a few years ago. I remember like it was like groundbreaking. like And that was right around the times I think people were talking about VOMS too. So it, was a, it came out in an exciting time. I feel like it, Everyone's heard of it, but because <laughs> yeah. it's not, because it's expensive, no yeah. one actually uses it. I was going to say. So I don't know that I actually, I I know it in theory. Yeah, I was going to say, clinically, I've never seen it right. done. Right, And I've heard of it. And I remember, again, it came out when, again, that big push on looking at vestibular and oculomotor for concussion. And, you know, it had a... It has a lot of good information behind it, and the literature behind it is supportive of it. So if you're not familiar with the King Devic at this point, it, it essentially it was a series of cards with numbers, and those numbers are basically in a pattern. And then the athlete would kind of read the numbers based on the pattern that it was supposed that they were supposed to. So the idea is right, they're moving their eyes as they're doing it. So it's an ocular motor. Um, it was done for time, so they were timed into it. I think now like it's digital. Like I think you can do it on like an iPad and stuff, and like mm-hmm. it it the computer keeps time mm-hmm. for you. So I think, I think that's the change. Um, I, my thinking of it was just the little old school was the series of cards. Um, but the literature is definitely in support of the King Devic. So if you've already purchased it or like, Hey, you're thinking about it. Hey, it is a good system to go with. Uh, the sensitivity for it was 77%. Uh, specificity was 82%. Uh, basically if any special test had that high of a, a percentage on sensitivity and specificity, we'd be using it every day. So you could feel pretty comfortable that, hey, this is a good thing. My money has been well spent. But again, the drawback of the King Devic is it does cost money, right? You're going to have to put some uh, financial backing into it. Um, And from what I remember as the limitation was there was a possibility of a learning effect because because there was only so many cards that they had. Right. So eventually the athlete could learn the cards. So that was kind of a risk. Now that it's kind of a digital, I think that might have been corrected, mm. but unsure because I'm not familiar with the system and I didn't necessarily want to dive into looking strictly at King Devic research. Right. I wanted a little more just kind of a general, hey, here's how we evaluate mm-hmm. um, vestibular issues. 
And then, of course, anytime we have an athlete that is having vestibular complaints, right, we do want to kind of evaluate that positional vertigo, the BP, BPPV, <laughs> benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Mm-hmm. I believe I got that right. Yeah, I had to uh, moderate. Yes, you did. PPV at NATA and I was I like, why did that. I pick this one that's like literally the hardest to say and I have to stand in front of people and say these not just BPPV but also say the entire the full thing. thing. Yeah. Right that so I was regretting that. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. Yeah, that was tough. And it was like Luckily, it was I at seven thirty a.m. I was so gonna say was like, it wasn't. No, one, no one's gonna. But come. that's but also, it was full. It was pretty. That, well, that's the worst part too. It was in the morning, so you really had to lock in I, early. I had to be on it. <laughs> I had to be on it. <laughs> yeah. So you, we do want to rule that out. And remember, with this positional vertigo, the idea is we're looking at that otoconia, right, and those otoliths. So it's going to be changes of position that all of a sudden they get really dizzy. And the dizziness doesn't last very long. It's going to be a few seconds, maybe a minute or so, and then they feel fine, right? Those are kind of like those key, like, ooh, we might be looking at a kind of a positional vertigo kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. Anything where they have a long-term kind of dizziness, that's that might be a different kind of vertigo. But one of the things that, again, it's become very popular is that position vertigo. And there's different ways that you can test it. Um, and there's different ways to correct it. There's different maneuvers. Again, NATA has done a really great job with those labs and, you know, getting us comfortable in doing that. So I definitely look into that as well. So we've evaluated. We don't like what we're seeing. We think vestibular is the problem. What am I going to do? I ask my students that all the time. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And let me guess. They give you that look of uh, something. No, actually, my students are very good. Good job. Yeah. We like that. Um, so when we design, when vestibular rehab is designed, it's going to focus on basically two categories, right? There's the idea of adaptation. And essentially, this is the body adjusting how much magnitude of a vestibular ocular reflex it does. So basically, when you have like a concussive event, the vestibular ocular reflex is all over the place. So your body might be be trying to overcorrect and do too much, or maybe it's not correcting enough. And that's why you're having these issues, right? So basically adaptation is basically your body just kind of recalibrating itself. Like, oh, hey, I'm not adjusting correctly. I need to fix this. I don't know why I did the whoa (laughs) with that. But the next category would be kind of habituation. And essentially, the idea of habituation is just the continued exposure of a symptom-provoking position or maybe a movement will lead to a symptom decrease over time. When I've seen vestibular rehab applied, I feel like I've noticed it's more geared towards that habituation that, hey, we're going to expose them to these exercises up to that area of, hey, like, I'm kind of getting symptoms, like maybe a change in symptoms of like a one or a two, and then that's where we stop. I feel like that's been more common than I think like an adaptation kind of thing. I feel like habituation is a more of a thing that we can kind of gauge and like utilize. So within the literature itself, there is a lot of support for vestibular rehabilitation in conjunction with other treatments that we'll do for concussion rehabilitation. Um, The interesting thing is it, it has been shown that it could lead to a quicker resolution of symptoms and even a quicker return to play. Um, 
obviously this is more particular seen in patients with abnormal vestibular function post-concussion. So if you have someone who's just having headaches and their VOMS is fantastic and you do a vestibular rehab, you may not see that much of a like improvement compared to maybe compared to maybe doing other things. So keep that in mind, right? It's not just a cookie cutter one size fits all. Yeah, everyone's getting vestibular rehab now. Well, I feel like with the online methods of like impact or sway mm-hmm. or like some other um, concussion based testing, I feel like it really breaks down for you what the tests that they do mean. Yes. And so then you can figure out like, oh, is it a reaction time yeah. deficit or is there a de- deficit in the, in the balance or whatever? So then you can really f- sit down and be like, okay, well, they need to work on their balance or like they still have a deficit in this or they've returned this. So we don't need to focus on on inspection time as much, yeah. for example. So then you can, okay, if they need some balance, okay, we can incorporate some balance exercises if they need some reaction time okay we can incorporate Mm -hmm. some reaction yeah absolutely for sure and then also remember that connection between the vestibular system and cervical neck musculature Mm -hmm. right so if they're having neck pain right maybe that is kind of something with the vestibular system or you know something goes hand to hand or hey they're having headaches but also the dizziness hey don't forget the neck as well right the tension from there could be causing the headaches and also the dysfunction at the neck could be helping or could be contributing to the dizziness as well. So definitely don't forget that mobilization. Well, first evaluation of the neck mm-hmm. and making sure there's no deficits there, but you know, also the mobilization and exercises of the neck as well. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on like the proprioception of the neck that I've seen. Like they have like a flashlight or a laser attached to their head and they, they do like certain, oh, like the target. Training. Yeah. Like the target trainer, like they go through the maze and they're like looking up down circles. With a little headlamp. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All that stuff is like really geared towards that proprioception of the neck. And then there's even some stuff they've looked at, like separating the neck from the body with that. So like they stabilize their head, but their torso is moving. So then it's training to stabilize their head while their body's moving. Or like you um, like find the target like straight ahead and then you like turn away and then you have to like quickly find the target as fast as you can. Yeah. I got really excited with that one. Because then, like, it's really easy, obviously, to put your head back and to neutral, but where actually is neutral? And can you find that spot you need to and come back to it, right? Like, same thing, like, uh, again, like the receiver analogy, right? They're running. They have to look up at the ball. At a certain point, they're probably going to look down real quick, see where they're at, and then try and, like, hey, let's find that ball again. Right. Kind of thing, so... Tracking isn't just done with eyes. No, for sure. Absolutely. Your head's got to be put in a position so the eyes can do their job. So now the question kind of comes up is how quickly can we even implement um, vestibular rehab? And, you know, a lot of the older studies looked at that post-concussion syndrome. So they were initiating this around three, four weeks after the actual concussive event. Um, But what we're seeing now is you could probably start doing this a little bit sooner. And there was a really good kind of retrospective study that looked at they started treatment basically within the week of the injury. So they got their sustained their concussion and, you know, depending when they were seen, right, because this was basically in like a clinic kind of thing, not necessarily mm-hmm. like um, in a traditional setting. Athletic training where everything is done fast. Yes. <laughs> but they basically got started within the week, which it was probably about, I think the, the patients were evaluated five days after the event and then basically initiated treatment on day eight 
So like That's so three long. days. Yeah. But again, it's a clinic. So right. when you can get in and stuff like that. Right. So again, it shows that there is promise that you could probably start this fairly early if they're having those symptoms. And what that study found was for every one day increase in time from the injury, it basically pushed the schedule back another, I love this, 1.02 days. Oh, wow. To increase that return to play. So basically that calendar just kept kind of like that timetable kept getting pushed back. Just slightly over one day. Just slightly over. So they lost a a day and an afternoon. No. 1.02 1.02 that's okay. like a day and a couple okay they minutes. missed they missed breakfast <laughs> a day in breakfast no i don't let me do the point oh two i feel like that's bre- that's gotta be breakfast there's 14 40 minutes in a day right uh, sure am i doing that math right i don't know i'm not sure i'm i'm taking your word for it 60 minutes times 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> two 24 hours. No. Yes, you're right. I got that. I said I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, so 24 hours times 60 minutes yeah. is 1440. Yeah, yes. so that was right. 1440 minutes in a day and 0.02 of that. Whoa. Is just under 30 minutes. It's 28. Okay, that could be minutes. breakfast. Okay, okay, okay. That could, could be, be breakfast, breakfast. Depending. So, depending. So, so. Let me just tell just tell your athletes that every one day that they didn't come for treatment, yeah, they lose a day and thirty minutes. Yeah, a day in breakfast. Okay, <laughs> my athletes will totally know what that means. <laughs> oh, then your athlete's gonna come back at you saying, "Well, I don't eat breakfast." So, oh gosh, and then there's this whole discussion on why we don't eat breakfast. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Yep. So essentially, when it comes to vestibular rehab, remember to utilize your physician and kind of get, you know, get their thoughts. Is this something they're comfortable with? Or is this something that they're comfortable with you doing slash are you comfortable doing it? Right. Yeah. I've had uh, physicians on both spectrums. I've had physicians who are like, oh, yeah, like just, you know, return them. Pencil pushes. (laughs) Yeah. Return them when they're ready. And I've had physicians who are like, no, they need to come do two weeks of concussion rehab and... I'm going to return them. You can't return them. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely, right. you know, definitely goes off of our physicians, what they're comfortable with us doing. And, you know, um, and also, do, do you feel comfortable doing that? Do you feel comfortable? Hey, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I can kind of play with and kind of be able to do. And then also know this is, this part's a little out of my scope. I think you need to see a specialist. Right. Um, if, if anything, I think it is important for us to at least, know how vestibular rehab goes because if they're going to physical therapy for vestibular rehab right it would be nice to be able to educate our patients hey here's what to expect here's what they're doing or if they're doing it like if they're doing physical therapy for it and you know you can only go to physical therapy like only so many times whereas we see them every day (laughs) every day Mm-hmm. So making sure that they're doing these exercises right, making sure we know what to look for while they're doing the exercises, right? Like if they're like doing their vestibular exercises, which I mean, there's a lot it deals with a lot of eye movements and stuff. And they're basically going like, oh, yeah, every time I do this, I get like super dizzy. Like my symptoms go up to a five. Yeah, that's a problem, right? We're not doing that right. 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 So 
making sure at least we have that background to at least identify like, hey, you're probably doing this wrong. You should stop. And that kind of ties into know your referral network, right? Make sure you have a, a referral network to kind of fall back on. Again, if you're not comfortable or familiar with vestibular rehab, make sure someone in that sports medicine team, hey, I have someone that can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a physical therapist that, you know, is pretty good at stuff like this. You know, they can tie into this and be able to get that outcome we're looking for. You know what? Um, what we did is we went at one of my previous jobs. We uh, we were just going around visiting our our team docs. Yes. And they had the physical therapy area um, like right around the corner. So we went over and we were we stayed for like an hour or two with the physical therapist. Oh, that's cool. And learned so much about what they do that awesome. we don't do as often or yeah. that is out of our scope or just different than what we do. Um, and there was so much that I actually still implement in my practice just from the one or two hours that we were there. So oh, I bet. Um, if you have someone in your network who is able to do vestibular rehab, reach out to them and say, Hey, like, can I come by and just like observe my athlete doing this? Or can I come by yeah. and, you know, see if they're willing to work with you on that because then you can say like, oh, I just want to make sure that, you know, when I'm, when they're coming back to our facility that they're doing these correctly and that I'm able to cue them and like kind of, kind of continue that care. Yeah. Um, we have a physical therapist who comes and just kind of observes in what we're doing oh, that's um, awesome. now that's cool. and then we are able to also like collaborate there and have continuity of care. Um, within that and then also i still pick his brain like today i just asked him about um like muscle energy of the neck and so mm. oh that's cool yeah so like they a lot of times like people are really willing to share yes. their philosophies and what they do and everything so even if it's not in your wheelhouse right now and it, it's like kind of hard to maybe like look up and get the theory <laughs> of if you have someone around you that can i bet you they'd be more than willing Oh, 100%. And it's probably just an email or a call. And again, it just shows that, you know, that collaboration between professions and right. and the respect that both professions have for each other. Right. What we do, right? Like, you know, it, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Like they had that cl- that clinic that you went to, right? Though That group there sees this all the time because that's the, those are the patients that are coming in. Well, it's also things that like they were doing like gait analysis, which yeah. yes, we like learned in school, but it's not something that we do every go day. in depth in and yeah. do every day. And we don't have the fancy force plate equipments and stuff. Yeah. So stuff that they were able to see and then work on in rehab is just like the the fact that it's very much in their wheelhouse absolutely and they feel very comfortable with it versus someone who maybe just read in a book or like (laughs) learned it enough for a test yeah and that's why and again it's vice versa right like you know we're comfortable in our environment with you know doing an evaluation while we got five other student athletes you know doing doing some kind of treatment or rehab i should say and like stuff like that you know kind of balancing that and obviously the emergency part right Mm -hmm. so we lean on each other for our strengths Mm -hmm. you have anything else to add about vestibular rehab nope that's about it uh action item is uh vestibular rehab is important when it comes to um the concussion process right we should definitely be rolling it in rolling it out um that should be a part of our kind of like multi-tool 
concussion evaluation and policy. Um, and then if there are any of those like, hey, this this seems like a vestibular issue, you know, you don't have to be afraid to start that therapy for it. Right. You know, whether it's maybe you getting them started or, hey, you know what, I, we need to send you to, you know, someone who is comfortable doing this and letting them go through starting that process. You can start it pretty early. How many references would you say you use for this? About 14, 14, wow. 15. That's pretty good. Yeah. So if you're interested in those, we'll have those up on our website. And we have a Facebook group that you guys can head over to, which will, um, if I remember, I'm trying to remember, I'm going to write down right now. Um, we're going to put the VOMS um, in the Facebook group, the VOMS little yep. poster thing that I was talking about. And then um, you guys can collaborate and talk about what you do for vestibular rehab or what you would like to learn about vestibular rehab. And again, if you are interested in the CEUs, scroll down to the show notes. We do have a link for Mass General Brigham CEUs. I Mm -hmm. think that's what the link says. Yes. And if you're good on CEUs this year, or if you're just looking for more on-demand stuff, we do still work with MedBridge. For $150 off, you can use code ATCORNER at checkout. And then lastly, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode. Next week is stories. I believe it is cranial nerves. So make sure you head to our Instagram at AT Corner Podcast. So then you can submit your stories for cranial nerves. And so that we can get um, just other people's experiences with diminished cranial nerves or how they remember cranial nerves and kind of all that. Yes, that that might turn into a not safe for work edition with the mnemonics that are out there for cranial nerves. Who knows? But Who knows? I do have to say that's fitting after we talked about some concussion stuff, a little it, cranial nerve work. It is. I it like is. it. So anyway, got anything else, Randy? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.